I'm Bryony Kennedy and you're listening to the Beauty, Business and Babies podcast brought to you by Adorn Cosmetics. In the last 10 years of building Adorn Cosmetics, having three children and advocating for more ethical beauty standards in the beauty industry, I've become intimately aware of what it's like to wrestle with the different areas of my life. Every fortnight, I'll share the tears and triumphs that I experienced when starting my ethical conscious beauty company, dealing with depression and caring for my children. My hope is that you'll grow to know it's okay to have imperfect days, that you are not alone in feeling like a mess, and that you'll be inspired to commit to small but bold actions each and every day. Welcome back to another episode of Beauty, Business and Babies brought to you by Adorn Cosmetics. I'm joined by Michelle from The Peers Project, our producers, and today is another special mini episode from our series, How to Start a Business. Today, we're getting practical and talking about all things money and finance. Oh, yes. Money. Oh, Ugh. that little thing. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> but, it's um, a necessity, isn't it? Oh, it really is. But, you know, I'm I'm going to do what most of us do for a moment and just avoid that line of questioning, mm. um, but only for a few minutes because I want to talk a bit about the legal side of business before we dive into money and finances. So, Bryony, could you p- please take us through kind of the key legal pillars that we need to consider when we're launching a business, you know, from registering our business name mm. to third-party contracts, you know, what yeah. do we need to be looking out for? So I guess first and foremost, I'm not a lawyer um, and nor am I in any industry body. So this is all based on my experience. So please make sure you get uh, advice where needed from a professional. But in my experience and what I can definitely uh, suggest for the, for the most part is that you need to start with a business name. And if you are planning on selling something at the local market, maybe you don't need to worry about registering it. It's really about where does this business, uh, well, where do you see this business ending up and where you want it to end up is really how you should start it out. So if you're planning on this being something that is more than a hobby business, then I would suggest making sure that you register your business name. Don't just start with something on a card and hope to register it later on because someone might take that idea and then you've got to backtrack and undo any of the marketing you've done um, and start from scratch. So really think about where you want this business to go and then that will very much dictate where you need to start. So with business names, of course, you need to, to register those and you can register those as a sole trader if you just feel that it's something you you'll do for yourself, especially if it's a service-based business. But if it's maybe product-based and you feel that you're going to maybe expand, then you might want a proprietary limited company. So if you're not too sure, there are sites that you can register your business name on. Um, And if you're not sure about it, what you could definitely do is get your accountant to assist you with registering your business name and they should only charge you what that registration fee is. And I think it's about $260,280 around there. Um, But definitely, if you can, a proprietary limited business. And then there's the GST. So do you register for GST? Now, If you're planning on earning just a small hobby income, it's probably not necessary. But again, there are certain, I think at the moment it's 75,000 or something around there. There's a certain cap that once you earn that kind of money, you do need to charge GST. So make sure that you're always on top of what that figure is and then you will know you'll be guided as to whether you have to or you you don't um and then of course you'll have your 
BAS requirements the minute you have your GST registered. So that's doing your GST every quarter and that's working out what GST you've paid on things that you've spent money on to run your business versus income and GST that you've received. So they, they can kind of cancel each other out. Um, you may get GST back or you might have to pay some to um, the government or the ATO. So I think having a bookkeeper is um, really important if you're not too great with figures. Um, I think it's great though if you can keep some kind of cash flow spreadsheet so you're still abreast of everything um, that's going on. So if you're starting off small as we all do, I think keep all of your receipts in one folder. It could be just very simple and keep all of your income um, receipts or tax invoices in another. And then it's really just giving those to your bookkeeper to work out for you. But definitely starting with a spreadsheet with your income and your expenses. And that becomes what is called a cash flow statement. And I think anyone that's starting out needs to understand that cash flow is very, very different to profitability of a business. Um, and we'll touch on that, I'm sure, a bit later on in, in this segment. But it's very much get your business name registered. Um, do you want to do sole trader proprietary limited? Um, do you need to be registered for GST? Um, are you going to look at a logo? Um, and if so, if that logo is unique, do you need to maybe get that trademarked. So you'll need um, a, a lawyer to assist you with that. And there are trademark attorneys or trademark lawyers that's more specifically geared towards that side of things. So you might find that you need a lawyer just as backup for everyday business. And there's very much a difference between a lawyer who looks after family bits and pieces, your wills and, and things like that, and then a business lawyer. So if you've got someone, you might never need to use them, but maybe just have someone as backup that you could refer to, but then a trademark attorney is someone who's very different um, and they will make sure that whatever logo you've created um, is protected. And if it can't be, then maybe you need to look at something else. So trademarks are probably not something that everybody needs to look at if this is going to be a hobby business, but if it's something like, say, an Adorn Cosmetics, do you really want to look at trademarking anything that a customer will recognise you by. So it could be a slogan, it could be your logo, it could be a, a particular font type for that logo. So it's very important to look at that. And interestingly enough, it's also important to possibly trademark um, you. So if you are your business, you might look at, like for example, myself, I'm looking at registering domain names in my name, just to protect my name so that nobody else can uh, register that um, and, you know, benefit. So if you are part of your business, you might very well not only want to register your business, but you might want to register your name um, as a business name, as well as say a website under your name as well. It just your intellectual property, it just becomes another level of how you can protect yourself. Um, you know, it's not nice to think this, but I know some some famous people that have had people set up domain names in their name and put some really awful things on these pages. Um, so it's just about protecting yourself. Um, so domain names are something that you may need to register as well if you are planning an online business. Um, 
and looking at a .com and a .com.au is important if you can get both. Um, if you can't get uh, the .com.au, at least try and get the .com and, and maybe just put yourself on the waiting list. Um, I know ours is .com.au and I can't get the .com for a dawn at the moment, which is super frustrating. But if you can get both, that's the best to start with. Um so I think it's really your name, your website, um, make sure you've got a really good accountant and, you know, back up with a lawyer if, if, if need be, just so you understand what insurances you need as well because that's, that's another thing is are you in a position that you could possibly be sued for something? Um, so insurance, don't, don't skimp in that area because if you are selling a product, what happens if that product does something to that person? Um, you know, what if they, this someone's hurt in your in your premise or your property even if you're just working from home you do need to have some insurances to protect you so public liability and things like that so insurance is another one that you definitely have to have um, and I would suggest having a separate bank account as well from yourself to your business it's a, a good way of keeping a very very firm grip on your cash flow um, and what the business is doing and I think when you do that, you treat the business more seriously than you just taking a little bit of money out of your bank account. So setting that up properly um, and possibly attaching it to a business credit card, you might want to do that as well, um, or you might want to enter that down down the track when you need it. So, so insightful, Brining, and I'm I'm even mentally taking notes now thinking about my business and thinking about, oh, goodness, I've forgotten that and I've forgotten that, but... I mean, what would you say, and I want to dive into money now, but what would you say, you know, are perhaps maybe the top three things we should be looking at right at the start? So um, perhaps regarding money and then also that kind of legal side of things, just so that mm. we don't overwhelm ourselves and we're just trying to get sorted. I think the most important thing to do is establish your commitment level, to be mm. honest. I think that you can come up with an amazing idea. You can have um, amazing structures, amazing support and oodles of money behind you, but you need to establish the commitment you've got and how long you're prepared to put into something first and foremost, because all of those other things are irrelevant if you are someone who's going to give up after a couple of weeks because you haven't seen what you deem as success, um, or if something gets a bit hard, you're going to give up. So I think you need to really have a good hard think about what is your pain threshold? Uh, what's your comfort level? And what are you? What, what's your? What are you prepared to put up with? What are you not prepared to to give into? Um, all of these parameters, and I think it's about having some very clear definitions of okay, if this happens to me, that's the that's it. I'm I'm done, or um, I'm prepared to give it twelve months, or I can afford to give it two years. Or I think you really have to very very strictly with yourself uh, go in with clear personal parameters, personality parameters as well, because some people's levels of risk are a lot higher than others. Some people need a certain amount of money in the bank that they're comfortable with before they'll do something. Some people just don't need any of that. They're just, they're just risk takers. Okay. And, and neither of them is right or wrong, but it's very much coming into tune with what 
is your no-go zone and what what is the barrier for you where you reach a point and think, no, I'm, I can't go beyond that. Because once you've got that very clear, it makes it very easy for you to know when to stop or when to keep pushing through things. So I think that is the most important. Um, and then once you've got an idea of your personality type and you know, yep, okay, I'm, I'm a bit of a safe person, I, I really need to have security behind you, then what does security look like to you? And if that means you need a year's salary, then that's what you've got to work towards. That's the next step is, is having a year's salary saved before you're prepared to take the leap of moving into a business. Maybe you're not prepared to give up um, your career, so, okay, let's work out we have to do this on the weekends um, or after hours. So in my respect, for me, I had to work it around um, my children because I wasn't prepared to put them into daycare at that time. So that was my I'm not sacrificing my time with them. That doesn't mean it's right or wrong, but that was my given that I wanted to be with my kids. So that meant that I then had to work out around me being with them. How am I going to run a business when I've got little baby twins rolling around the floor? So it meant that I had to spend a lot of the money that I was making at the time on a nanny because I wanted them with me. So it's about working out your compromises and what you're prepared to do, what you're not prepared to do, and working around those parameters. So is this going to be something that you start after hours on the weekends? Is this something that you're going to save a year's salary for? Um, is this something you're going to borrow money for? So how are you going to get started and how are you prepared to get started? Because a lot of people are in a situation. They're not fresh out of school with a hundred K up their sleeves and they're ready to just take on this idea. Often we've got responsibilities that we're, we're mindful of um, and, and, and have to commit to, but we've also got an amazing idea that we want to also let that flourish and, and, and start that. So I think it's accepting that all businesses start somewhere. And myself, I started from my home. Um, I had one bedroom set up to, to do waxing. So I was waxing people as, you know, I had clients. So doing eyebrows, all sorts of things, Brazilian waxing, you name it. If there was hair, I waxed it off. So, and I, and I did that because that was the money that I used to help establish a dawn. And I knew that that was going to be a long route to, to set up the brand, um, but I wasn't prepared to have investors or borrow money at that point. That was my, I just want to test the waters and, and any little bit of money I make, I'll put it into the business, but that was just my comfort zone at that point in time because I didn't know with the babies, if I, if I, if I could commit to this, am I going to be too tired? So I really wanted to test the waters out and that's how I did that. So a lot of the money I made went into the business. I didn't make any money per se, but but I was content with that because it was a way of me seeing how things went rather than just jumping all in. Um, and for me, that's very much been how I've established the business, putting, you know, toes into water, but in a, in a way that um, I've been comfortable with. And I think that's important for people not to stress themselves out over thinking they've got to look like other brands because most of them have either had investment, investors, um, or they um, have started out in this small way. So I think that's really important is to get into touch with yourself first and, and, and foremost, to be honest, over, over everything else. I love that you mentioned 
you know, the comparison angle that comes into play. You know, I think when we want to start something new or we've had this idea brewing in our minds for a while, Mm. we just kind of want to make sure it's successful and we, you know, if we're going to invest a little bit, we want to, you know, do our best. Mm. How can we get better at managing expectations around kind of the performance of the business in those very early kind of fundamental days? Yeah, look, I guess, unfortunately, we're all, well, not we're all, but I think we, for the most part, people are concerned about what other people think, and all you know, it's that that fear of judgment and failure, isn't it? So, if you're not successful straight away, then you just feel like people are going to look down on you, like the idea's silly, you're silly, why don't you go back to work? All of those things. I, I get that. I've, I've been there and, and done that, and so I think the the reality of that is that that's probably not going to go away. You will always have people doubting what you're doing, and you will always have people question what you're doing that's completely normal but that's the evolution of of life of ideas of of anything and and all great ideas have been questioned at some point and you know there's no way you know 50 years ago people would think that we we run businesses off you know internets and websites and buy products off a, a computer like that people back then would have said you're nuts I want to see the product so I think that ideas will always be questioned and there's nothing wrong with that so I think you just need to um, accept in your mind that you will be questioned. Um, there will be doubters and naysayers, but it's really about you just being so content with your idea. And that doesn't mean that you're 100% of the time going to always feel positive and believe in yourself, but believe in the idea. So you can have your own self-doubts and you can have your concerns, but don't let those two things confuse you with the fact your idea is great because that's what often will happen. So segment those three things and just be damn sure, like I was with Adorn, this is a great idea. I know this concept will work. I know these products will work. I know the ethos around it will work eventually. But, yes, there's definitely doubts around me and my capabilities and can I do it and this person said that and there is. That's normal. It means you're human and you have feelings and emotions. So I don't think that that's a bad thing except those the the right of emotions. Um, But it's, it's just staying clear to what you're trying to achieve and 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 just accept the good with the bad accept that you're going to have your days where you question yourself um but then draw a line in the sand go okay today I'm not feeling the best about this I'm just going to sleep on it wake up tomorrow's a new day and it's really all you can do is just have that resilience around um knowing wholeheartedly that there's a bigger purpose with what you're trying to do and even if it's making hand cream at the local market that's what you want to do. Who is anyone to question what you're doing? And success is defined by happiness, I believe. If something makes you happy, then that is your success. So if you want to make hand creams at a market and you're content with making an extra $50 a week, that is success. If you want to collect garbage because you don't want you know, stuff floating around the streets because it makes you feel good about helping the environment, and that's your success. I really feel disappointed and saddened that we've got to a point that success is defined by a number and that's disappointing. And I know I can, I I know some people might be thinking, oh, but that's good for you to say because you've got a a brand that's 
of course worth quite a lot of money, but that, that was never my intention. That's just happened. That's just evolved. My intention was to create a better option for women to buy um, products that are more ethically sound and, 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 and kinder to us in the environment. And just so happened that it's turned into this. That made me feel happy minimising the waste along the way, not producing products that had outer boxes, products that could be refilled. I actually get genuine joy from that. Like it's sad really, but <laughs> I it makes me happy. Even now, 12 years later, when I see bags of customers, um, empty products for us to recycle, I, it like gives me goosebumps. I love it. It's sad, It's but it's my happiness. That's to me what success is and knowing that I'm making a little bit of an impact. Now, success is also not defined by you having to change the world. For goodness sake, just back off the stress, people. Like everyone's got this, oh, I've got to be eating this way, sleeping this way. My relationship's got to look like this. My friendships have got to look like this. I've got to exercise this amount of time. Oh, I've got to donate to charity. Oh, my God, stop it. You don't, it's no, you, you do, do you and do what makes you happy because that will radiate to the next level of people in your circle make them happier, then that will radiate to their circle. And it's like this this rainbow beam that just keeps emitting and bouncing off each other. But you're only responsible for yourself and, and those immediately around you. That's it. Like charity starts at home. And to those around you, do your little bit. Stop overwhelming yourself with feeling that your success has to look like someone else's. And one of the things that upsets me the most is when I meet someone for the first time, and undoubtedly this happens time and time again, um, you know, we'll be introduced and, I'll, and and they may have been introduced to me first and what I do because the person that mutually knows us has probably filled them in about who I am and and then I'll say, oh, and how, and how are you and, and, and what are you up to and blah, 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 and they're like, oh, well, I'm just a mum at home and, or, or I just work for, or I just do this. And it's like don't use the word just ever. When you're explaining yourself or explaining what you do, you are not what you do. You are you. You're a good person, and don't word don't just don't use that word. Just it's undermining anything that you do. And I don't care if you're a mum or what whatever you do. That that that's your success. That's your happiness, and that should never be undermined. So I think for me, that's the most important thing is to understand that you are doing this whatever it is, job, um, passion, a business, uh, donating your time to charity, it doesn't mean you're any better than anyone else. It just means that that's what makes you tick and that's what makes you happy and that's what the world needs you to do. And, And just as the world needs everybody else to do different things, we need people who are the workers. We need people who come out with these amazing ideas. Um, we need people that challenge the status quo. We, we need uh, people that pick up recycling rubbish. We need people to be just mums. Like we all have our reason. It's just up to you to figure out what that is for you. And, and that is what defines success is the happiness that you pull out of what you're doing. Oh, Bryony, I honestly couldn't agree more. I've been furiously nodding my head. Obviously you can't see us, but <laughs> I just so agree. I think the the issue is though, Bryony, we equate exactly what you said. We equate success a lot of the time or society equates it with money. Mm. And, you know, we just can't help it. You know, it's, 
it's almost like, oh, well, that person must be so successful, you know, quote unquote, Mm. because they've got X, Y, Z or their business is doing X, Y, Z or whatever it may be. How can we dissociate money from our success? And more so than that, how can we still make money of importance, Mm. especially in the early days of business? I mean, money's always important in Mm. business, but especially in those earlier days, but not so much the fact that it kind of blows over and is the only reason why we've decided to continue. Yeah. Look, I mean, it'd be silly and um, it's the reality is we we all need money to to survive to some point. It's it's up to you what that level of surviving means. Um, Some people are happy with just the bare basics and other people are not. So, again, it all comes down to your personality. The reality is if you're starting a business, you need money to do it. Um, You know, and, and again, it's about scaling that as as time goes on or as your business becomes um, busier or the demand for it becomes busier. So, I think what I would, again, work out is what you're prepared to from a cash flow point of view, what you can contribute yourself, what you're comfortable contributing. And whatever it is you think you need, I'd probably double that in mm-hmm. in when it comes to cash. So if you sort of think, because I think what often people do is I'll make the mistake, oh, it's only going to cost me this for that yeah. one piece of machinery and the packaging will only cost me this. You're almost talking yourself into the idea, which is great. You want to move forward with your idea, but don't overlook things to try and speed things up because that's often what people will do is, oh, it's only going to cost this. Let's start it now. Well, there's a lot of stuff that you're not, especially if you've never been in business before, there is a lot that you don't know that can possibly happen. And so I think work out what you you feel you need and, and I would double that and that's realistically what you'll need. And that's just in the first 12 months. So really just is that then your comfort level? Um, now, my other advice would be however you save that money up um, or however you decide whether it's it's just slowly working extra hours to pay for that or you may have people offer you money to help you get started. My advice with cash is this. If you can't, if that person that's lending you that money can't afford to lose it, don't take it off them because this is a new idea. You especially if you've not been in business before. But even those that have been in business before, you know, come up against ideas that don't work or eventually something happens or goes wrong or or the climate or industry changes. You know, COVID's a perfect example of of some successful businesses that have shut. So don't take money from anyone that can't afford to lose it, okay, because that's just not worth it. That's just not worth it. And, and you know, you need to be kind to yourself and to them because no one wants to go to bed at night knowing they've caused someone that stress. It doesn't matter how great your idea is. Um, if you are going to borrow money off someone, make sure that that's documented with a lawyer, even if it's your parents. Because if something happens to you, um, God forbid, and... Um, I don't know, you pass away or they pass away. There's no, there's nothing there. And then it could cause an issue with your siblings because there's nothing on paper as to what that agreement was. So I think treat this like a serious business. If you expect to be treated seriously, then you need to treat the business seriously and everything should be documented. Um, 
First, I think go to the banks and they're very conservative. I think there's the options around maybe a small overdraft. So you could say, look, I want to open up a business account. I've got $1,000, I've got $10,000 or $100,000 to put in there. But I also have um, an overdraft. They might just give you an extra $1,000 or they might give you a lot of, depending on how much you've put in, or they might not give it to you until they see some sort of um, activity in that account. So um, an overdraft is a good option because you can, um, you know, spend, but your money's going in there all the time. So it's sort of going up and down. There may be a higher interest rate attached to that than say um, a business loan, but then a business loan will have more uh, scheduled payments that you need to stick to. So if you're not sure of your cash flow and when things are coming in and out, maybe an overdraft might be better because it's really working in real time. Um, so you're paying more interest because there's no real schedule attached to it. But then a business loan, obviously, is there's more scheduling around that. But then you're stuck with those. You need to pay those payments off. Credit cards are another option, again, of course, um, that can help you out with cash flow. But if you're not great with your cash and you're not good at um, repayments of things, I think be very careful that you don't get yourself into too much debt. So I think with cash, it's about working out what you need, doubling at the beginning of the business. Um, and for me, what I did was I quite quantified what I was comfortable losing. So I worked out where is, what level of money am I comfortable losing and how would I pay that back to the bank or, because I'm not comfortable with bankruptcy or, or, or taking people's money and not paying them back. That's uh, that's not me. So, I mean, I know there's people that probably don't care, um, you know, and that's super sad, but that's not me. I like to put my head down on my pillow at night and know I'm a good person. So, um, for me, it was how much money can I afford to lose on this idea? This is just being realistic. And how long would that take me to pay back? So, for me, I was comfortable losing five years of what I could earn as someone making a salary doing something else. That was my level of comfort. I thought I can I can afford to lose that because I know if I was to go back and work, it would take me maybe five to ten years to pay it back. Um, but I was comfortable with that. And that's not everybody's going to be – it might be 12 months. So it's really about finding out what you need I think doubling it and then also working out what you think you can afford to to lose and how much you can um, or how you intend on paying that back if things go wrong. Once you've got those things in your head, you're actually not so stressed when you're then running the business because you know you've got these um, parameters around what you're prepared to do and you've got these um, lines in the sand where you know, okay, when I reach that point, that's where I've got to shut up shop or or I've got to look at something else. So you definitely have to have these true it's look we want to be positive but sometimes positivity can outweigh and overweigh uh, the the reality you've got to be realistic as well and being realistic having these hard conversations with yourself and your partner or 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 whoever it is just keeps you in check so that you're not flying off with the fairies and um, also makes you feel better every day because you know, well, I haven't reached my threshold yet. That's good. Keep pushing through. You told yourself five years worth of salary. You're nowhere near that. Just keep going. So it actually does in a way help you from a positive point as well. So, so true. I want to talk a bit about when you're in it, you know, so perhaps you're two years in, you're almost at the threshold, but then you're realizing that the business you're doing or what you're doing is actually 
kind of starting to work out, not as successful, well, you know, don't use the word successful, but perhaps not performing as as well as you'd hope, but it's mm. starting to perform and you can see the potential. Mm. But you've kind of almost run out of, like your runway's almost up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what do we do, Bryony? <gasps> well, look, I can only oh. give you my my example and it's probably a very extreme one. Um, I love your story. So, so I, I, I get it. But, look, for me, again, this really comes down to – your resilience and and also your mental health. I mean, nothing's worth your mental health or your health. So if something's starting to really impact you from that point of view, then nothing is worth that. I think you just need to look at yourself and go, okay, well, I actually am proud that I gave it a, a go. And yes, it's moving forward, but you know, what is the opportunity cost of me still pushing forward? Is this going to make me worse, um, or you know, am I just having a bad day? So it's really, you've, again, you've got to be hard on yourself and have these hard like I do talk to myself in my brain like I, I have conversations with myself and and it and it really does go something along the lines of okay if you push through with this is this just a moment in time you're doubting yourself or is this actually making you sick now these things have been happening yeah I think I don't think you should do this it's actually just yeah like you could there's lots of things I could do right now make quite a bit of money out of it one, I don't have any interest, and two, I know it'll drain the hell out of me. So I just say no to it. It's not worth your health. So that's the first thing. But if it's not that, it's just that it's a financial uh, stress that you're under, um, but you can cope with it, but it's it's still upsetting and, and distressing because you can see that the business is moving forward. Well, that's a different thing. So from my point of view, um, it was probably around year nine of Adorn. So every year our business was increasing from a sales performance and a customer retention. And so all of the the figures were always looking very positive. But because I had so much um, debt that I I was comfortable, comfortable debt, but there's still interest payments and there's still repayments around all of this debt. So I was just swimming in debt. And um, for me, it was so frustrating because it was this business is doing so well, yet I am not getting a cent out of it. And, you know, we I, I didn't get a wage for 10 years. So that's some serious sacrifice right there. And so, and I don't expect anybody to do that. Don't compare yourself and go, well, she didn't do it for that's I'm not saying that's the right answer, but that was what I was um, as I went along, I was able to just find ways to 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 continue um living. And then we didn't live particularly like lavishly at all, like it was living off my husband's wage at the time. So, you know, we had to be really, really frugal. And by year nine, we were having our parents um, buying our food. Like, honestly, that was that was kind of a low, that was a low point there. Um, and I wasn't happy about getting that, no, I was happy to get the support, but I wasn't happy that I'd reached that point. Um, and again, super frustrating because the business was doing very well, but we just had no cash flow. And this is where it's very, very important um, that you understand cash flow is different to a business profiting. Um, and so for us, super, super hard struggle, but my belief in the brand was bigger than my concern for, I guess, the self-doubt I had, um, that wasn't as big as the belief I had in the brand. Even though I couldn't afford my own food, 
<laughs> um, and we were borrowing money left, right and centre from family. And there was times where I was honest with my family and said, look, I'll, I'll sell the business because I can't keep doing this. And, and you know, that's the, more being a real, realist that I don't want them to feel that they had to continue to support us if they couldn't. Because, again, coming back to don't borrow money that people can't afford to lose. And, and I didn't want that to be in a position where that might happen. Um, but they were very much, no, we... If we never get this back, that's fine. We believe in you more than we do needing this money. So for us, it was very much, okay, well, we'll keep moving forward. Again, it's don't hide away from these things. Have these hard conversations with people. They will respect you more for being honest. Honesty is almost a rarity these days, but you'll always have people's respect um, and they'll have your back no matter what if you're honest, even if it's hard. So for me, it was having those hard uh, conversations constantly, daily, is this impacting my family to the detriment? Like, is this worth continuing on even though the business is growing? Because that's, again, not it's, point, it's pointless. Um, so then I reached the point where I was like, wow, we, what are we going to do? So I thought I still believe in my idea more than I do in um, backing out. So I thought, well, I need to change a few things with what we're doing. Um, and if I have to get a night packing job at Coles, I'll do that. And my husband was looking at the time of going back to do some work himself. Um, so I, that was what I was prepared to do to keep it going um, because I could see that it would eventually um, pay off. So again, if you're not prepared to do those extra things, um, then then you, you say goodbye to it. You, you sell it. You move on. You um, I don't know. You, you go bankrupt if that's the, the don't I don't want anyone to do that. But you have to you make those calls. But for me, I was prepared to pack shelves or, or go do something. Um, that was I just wasn't prepared to to give up what I had put my time and effort into. Not because um, I didn't want to let go, but because I believed it was still worth going forward. Now, there is strength in knowing when to quit as well. So that's there's a strength in that because quite often people will continue on a road that is um, – they should just be – whether it's for their own health, whether it's finances, you know, they're trying to keep this going because they don't want to look like they've failed. Now, that's, that's ridiculous. There is strength in knowing when to say enough's enough. So, um, and, and being able to walk away and be proud of the efforts that you put in. So for me, you know, it was, again, all of these things I was prepared to do to keep things going um, because I felt, you know, my mental health was okay. Um, my family were okay. Everyone had our back. The business was growing. So I thought, well, I just need to do these extra things. Thank goodness it didn't get to the point of me packing shelves at Coles. Not that I have anything against that because actually I have done that in my, my lifetime and I quite enjoyed it. It's the OCD in me. Not that bad. It's like I, I mean, just strained up those beans. Do not touch those beans. Yes, Do not perfect. Don't placed. correct. Thank yeah. you. Um, <laughs> but I I really just it, it made me look at a different way that I needed to to change some things I was doing in the business, and that was ultimately what the turnaround was for me. Um, and that's that's probably another another story. But it's really again just about working out what your threshold is. So, so insightful. And thank you so much for sharing with us and getting raw and real. And we love that about you. No I want to talk a bit about the saving element and component. Mm. So, you know, and also the, the tax situation. Mm. So obviously in our country, oh, the glorious tax. Yes. How, 
if we're starting out, you know, fresh and we have kind of understood where our threshold's at and we feel like we're kind of ready, how much should we be putting aside in that savings account for, for tax or mm. perhaps for just a bit more security in case, you know, how do we get our heads around that? Mm. And what's the difference between kind of that annual tax that we have to pay versus this GST that you mentioned earlier? Yeah. So it's hard to put away money you don't have, isn't it? You know, so I mean, tough. <laughs> it's, it's, um, Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, and that's one I probably grappled with a lot. And so for me, I think when you're starting out, if you have got a good relationship with your accountant and they're letting you know that, you know, maybe you're just breaking even or if if the minute you start profiting, that's when you start to need to worry about your annual tax. But if you're breaking even or you're making a loss, there's probably not your, what you would refer to as your annual tax that you're probably needing to pay. So, um, it's more that you're needing to pay maybe pay YG if you've got staff um, or your GST. Now, again, you know, GST, you pay for things, is going to offset GST that you earn. So there may be in instances where you first start out that you're actually getting money back from the ATO, um, and that's a bit of a relief. But if you're on the flip side of it, then, of course, it's a good thing because you're, if you're paying income tax. Um, you're actually making money. So I don't have a, an aversion to paying it because I know that it must mean I'm making money. But yes, you do need to set some aside. So what I did, because I knew in my mind, the last person you want to owe money to is the ATO, because it doesn't matter how successful your business is. If you owe their money, you're in deep poo-poo. So for me, I always worked out, okay, roughly what my sales were. So this was when I knew that I had started to make more than I was spending, which is clearly what you want to be doing. So then I would work out, okay, roughly last quarter, my GST was, I'm plucking this out of thin air, $5,000. So then I would say, okay, well, my next quarter might be, let's, I'd like to think it's a bit more. I'm going to say it's 6,000. So then I would just simply divide 6,000 over the next quarter in in advance. Um, And I would just, so that's uh, 2,000, dollars a month, I would divide that by the week. So then I was okay, roughly $500, my calculations right here, $500 a week. And I would, so I wouldn't even wait for my bass off my accountant. I would use, it's almost like a bit like you're after pay, but in advance. Okay. So you're after paying the ATO, but you're before paying them. <laughs> so for me, Fine. this was great for cash flow. Because I didn't have that temptation of, oh, but I've got this bill, I'll just pay that and I'll put that money back. Because you never do. And you don't want them breathing down your neck and you want to go to bed at night. So I would pay, um, so your ATO, you have your BPAY details to pay them or your accountant will. I just set it up as an a, in my bank that $500 a week, I just preset that the B, that uh, the BPAY to the ANZ or wherever it was that I was banking at the time would go to the to the ATO. So whenever my BAS was done, my accountant could see, oh, but you're, you're, you've paid six grand already. So actually you've got an extra couple of hundred in there, which I'd know would go to the next quarter. So for me, I never waited till I owed them and paid it in one chunk because I found that too stressful. Mm. For me, I just paid it to them weekly um, and it would sit there in a, its own little ATO bank world and then that would be um, some, one less thing I had to worry about. And a lot of the things that I had um, commitments to like that, I would do that. I would set up a BPAY 
um, even if they didn't accept it, I just would set it up. What are they going to stop the money? It goes in there, but tough luck. It was just my way of getting rid of it. It's one less stress. It helps with your cash flow. Um, and, you know, it's about then having conversations with people like your suppliers or other people that, okay, I need payment terms with you. Um, again, having these honest, hard conversations with people that are supporting your business to be the success you want it to be, like my my label guy, um, uh, Landmark Printing, who I've had as my printing for ever. So for 12 years. Now, when I first started, I could barely pay the poor guy, but he was always respectful of my honesty. And I would say, look, I need these labels, but I, I don't even know if I could pay you for like two months. And he was okay, not ideal, but he believed in it and he, he knew I was being upfront with him before he'd printed them. And to this day, I still have a business relationship with him because of him supporting us. So again, it's about being honest and really, really understanding your cash flow. And that's literally money that you've got going out versus money that you've got going in. So if you know you've got cash that has to go out, if you can set it up so it goes out weekly, it makes it much more bite size it's less stressful and then you know what money you've got left over to improve on the business or to, to pay yourself a small amount. Um, I just think that's the best way for me personally. Others might want to put a little bit away and keep it in a bank account. That's, that's, a, that's up to you. So, so valuable, Bryony. Oh, my goodness. We're learning so, so much. But, you know, we are coming to the close of today's episode. So I guess we might end on maybe – the the one key thing you wish you knew when you were starting out when it comes to kind of money and finances and oh i wish i knew there was a difference between cash flow and profit i i know i've kept mm. harking on about harping on about that rather but um i thought they were the same thing <laughs> and they're not so y- y- your profit is the money that you make from your goods or service, but it doesn't take into account things like interest payments on credit cards or cars or car payments. or So any payments that you've made that are considered towards an asset or a liability, so if you've got a, a loan, um, if you've, you've got a business loan, a car loan, um, uh, an office loan, you've you've bought the property there, Um, the interest payments as well as the actual um, payment itself is not taken into account of your profit, okay? So profit is very much about how much did it cost you to produce that goods or service, so that's your electricity, your rent. These are costs that or expenses that you need to make that product or service. They are not things to do with your assets and liabilities or loans around things. So think of it as like your it's your phone bill, it's your rent, it's the petrol for the car. Um, those expenses come into play with your profit and loss, okay? And so you might look that you've made a profit of $1,000 and you think, oh, I've got $1,000 to spend to put into the business. But out of that $1,000, you've also then had to have paid your car payment, your interest payments, any other loans that you've got. So if something is a loan, so a credit card is considered a loan, any kind of loan or any kind of asset is never going to have anything to do with your P&L. Okay, so 
outside of your profit, you need to have been able to pay those things. Now, I thought they were the same thing. So I thought, why am I in so much bloody debt? Like, why does my bank account show that I have negative 500 grand, but it said I had made a profit? Like, where the, what the hell? And then it was not until my accountant and and somebody else at the time explained the two and then I actually learned what a balance sheet is what is on that you don't have to understand it to the level of an accountant but you need to understand what goes on a balance sheet what is a profit and loss and what is a cash flow statement those three things are so important and they could undo and totally annihilate your business if you don't understand what the three things are and how differently they and how different they are and they record very different things. So I think if you if you're not sure about money and finances, always go I always worked on a cash flow, money in, money out. So that included my loans. So I'd have a little spreadsheet at the top, it'd be sales, I'd adjust it every day. Because every day honestly, like I, I was always flying by the seat of my pants. Like, so every day I'd adjust my sales and every day I would adjust my expenses. And then I, moving forward, I'd have it all plotted out as to what my expenses were each month. And then that would, every day I'd go in there and adjust it. So I could see, oh, I'm negative 10 grand or I'm negative a grand or, but it would, it, the cash flow includes your loans, your interest, your credit card repay everything. Cash flow is everything. Now, if you don't have any cash, I don't care how much you're profiting, you can't run the business. It's as simple as that because you've taken on maybe too much debt and you can't service it. So cash flow is servicing your business and the business servicing you via income. And then your balance sheet is anything that you own as an asset or is deemed an asset and anything that you owe back, which is a liability like loans, et cetera. Um, and then of course, um, your profit and loss is the product. So for example, a dawn would be the, um, sale of the product minus the expense to make that product, the packaging, the label, the, the bulk, the phone calls, the marketing, um, telephone, all of that. Okay. So it's, I, I, if there's Anything I wish I had have known, it was that those three things are very, very different. Research it, Google it, talk to your accountant, understand cash flow and cash is king. There's a reason they say that. Cash is king. Oh my goodness. You've explained <laughs> that so well to us, Bryony. Thank you so much. We've had an absolute ball and yeah, we cannot wait for the next one. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Beauty Business and Babies podcast brought to you by Adorn Cosmetics. I hope there was something in today's episode that you found relatable and made you feel less alone. As women, we're all struggling with something on the inside, but we're often too afraid to ask for help. If there was something in this episode that you think might help another woman you know, please share it with them and let me know by screenshotting this episode and tagging me on social media at Bryony A. Kennedy and at Adorn Cosmetics. If you love what Adorn Cosmetics stands for, subscribe to this podcast right now and head to adorncosmetics.com.au to become an adorner and receive special offers on all things Adorn. Thank you once again for listening and being part of my journey. I'll see you next time.